Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast story, which uh, I have to admit is coming to you at <laughs> um, two o'clock in the morning after I have been drinking a lot. And uh, this is my JD and Coke. You want to listen? See, that's my JD and Coke. Mmm, I love JD and Coke. Mmm, mmm. Ice cube, ice cube, ah, ice cube, ah. Mmm. Oh, it's gone down. Right. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm I'm sitting here tonight and I'm watching some TV, and uh, <laughs> I'm watching something on telly that kind of brought me back to a place that um, I thought. I tell, well, I have thought about this in the past. Actually, I've thought I could do a podcast story about that, but no. I, I kind of stopped myself. And this is one of those podcast stories that I wouldn't normally have done. Okay, sorry about that. But I'd, I just, some some of these stories um, take us a little bit too far and they take us a little bit too deep. And uh, for that reason, they're not done. Christ. the The loyal listener will understand exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who are new to this, I apologise. Go and listen to the other podcast stories. You might get an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, I need to qualify this, guys. Um, some all known bits part of may or may not have happened. All characters may or may not be fictional. It is up to you, the listener. And all of this, or some of this, or none of this may not be true. So it is up to you, the listener. The loyal listener, I will call you from now on, because there's only a thousand of you out there, only. That's quite a good number. But there are a thousand of you out there who are desperate for these podcast stories. And uh, uh, I'm desperate to tell them. But, you know, the, oh God. Do you know what I would really love to do? is have a drink with you. You you that are sitting there with this, either in your earphones or on your speakers, you that are sitting there, that have, the, the loyal podcast listener that has been through the whole melange of, you know, whatever we've done in the past, you guys, I would love to sit and have a drink with and just exchange stories, you know, and just talk and shoot the breeze and talk about, you know, the things I've done and the things you've done and talk about the mistakes I made and how, given the opportunity, I would probably redo everything I did during that time. So, but, you know, that, that's probably not going to happen. It might happen, I don't know. We might... You know, I don't know if this ever becomes a book, it'll be we'll do a book signing and the loyal fans can come to the book signing. And I'll tell you what, I will take you all out and buy you a beer. <laughs> so, guys, come and have a beer. Uh, so we've qualified it. We've um, we've done what we need to do. So it's time to get on with it. And I've honestly, I would not have done this had I have not downed a few JD and Cokes. Because this one isn't nice, you know. It's not funny. It's not clean. And I just, my hope is, my ultimate hope is that you don't think less of me because of it. Does that make sense? Be easy to do. Be really easy to do. 
turn off a whole bunch of people because I became, for a time there, a guy that I despised. So, anyway, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And, uh, do you know that there is a certain therapeutic value to these in that I've got... I, ca I carry demons around with me. I think like like most people do. That people call it baggage. You know, you you've got a lot of baggage. I don't carry baggage. I ca I carry demons. And uh, occasionally, they strike at me. And one example of that, just on the side, was. Um, when I was working for Peugeot, uh, some guy who was Coventry, he was part-time gangster, he was into all this silly shit as well. He, um, for whatever reason, his dad owned a dealership and uh, they came on a tour of uh, our facility and... Uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, fucking hell, that's Ken Burton. And I thought, fuck. I hate that. I just hate that. My past is the past and that's where it should remain. But this this kid went, oh, that's Ken Burton. And uh, he then spoke to a couple of other people that were, were in the room. And a couple of people were saying... You know, oh well, you know, just uh, just spoke to um, to such and such, and like he was telling me you were you were brought up on the hard end of the rails. You know, uh, you've done well for yourself. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, you you were obviously a bit of a player when you were uh, when you were in your twenties, and I'm just thinking. Fucking hell, just swallow me up. Just ground, just swallow me up. I am a senior fucking projects manager, IT projects manager. I'm in a responsible role, doing a responsible job that normally people do when they've come out of university and they've got a degree and they've, they've come up through the ranks. Well, I skipped all that. I didn't get a degree. I haven't got a degree. Uh, but I still found myself in that position. Um, and there I am recognised. And I I am acutely embarrassed. Really acutely embarrassed. And people were... You know, I mean, my boss said to me afterwards, do you know all the fucking gossip in the back of that meeting was about you? I mean, it wasn't about the new carpet launch. And it wasn't about, you know, the fact that We've got a new car launch and we've invited all of these fucking dealers to come and see it. And everybody is talking about you. And the fact that, you know, you're some sort of fucking gangster. Hate that. Just hate it. I got over that one. Skin in my teeth, but I did. Um, but let me, t let me take you back to a time when in my 20s, I, uh, loyal listeners will know that I um, kind of was on the rough edges of legality as far as 
uh, earning a living was concerned. I was mainly a repo man. Um, <laughs> repo man with fucking attitude. <laughs> we didn't just repo cars. We, we fucking stole them back, you know. <laughs> That's what we did. Sorry, I hit the mic there. But um, we did a lot of stuff, you know. We'd, we were on the fringes of a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, if the names, if the families in Coventry needed backup, we were the backup. You know, that's what we did. And we were paid for it, you know. It wasn't all done out of love, but, you know. Somebody needed someone somewhere. We were there. We were the guys. And <laughs> this is where this all comes from. During a particularly nice summer that we were having, for months everything had gone really, really well. You know, the repos had happened really easily. Uh, we'd established a reputation. Christ, we turned up at some guy's house to repo his car. <laughs> he took one look at us and went, oh, here's the keys. Uh, we managed to get ourselves a reputation. But um, that summer, things were going really, really well. I remember um, just before this happened, because it happened on the Monday, the Sunday, we'd all got our shit together and gone down to Coombe Abbey in Coventry. And uh, we just we didn't go to Coombe Abbey. We, we actually went in the car park, because that's where everybody hung out. Everyone hung out in the car park. And uh, there was, like, on on the way in, there's a big sort of driveway into Coombe And then, you know, that's where everybody went to shag. It was our, you know, make-out point, if you like. And then you go through the car park, you come out the other side, and on the way out to the right of you are a whole bunch of trees and a big field. And everybody used to picnic on that field, you know. So on a Sunday, we'll get down there and uh, we get a football out, we open one of the cars up, open the boots up, play some tunes. Um, girls will be there, the boys will be there. We'd just have a laugh, you know. we bring some food with us. Uh, we bring a few bottles of wine with us, a few beers. And just have a laugh and a joke. And it was, it was probably the best Sunday of the summer. It was really, really hot. And it was just a... A great time that day that that day I just remember as being such a fantastic day one of my best ever days everybody was just up you know everyone was was there I mean all the boys that we went around with all the girls that we we knocked around with and everyone was with someone and I was with someone and you know it's just a great day and then uh, Sunday night, um, actually, when it got dark, we we went into Kumabi because there used to be a bar in Kumabi, like a little pub, um, many moons ago. I mean, those of you that know Coventry now and know Kumabi now will know that no longer exists, I don't think. But um, in those days, it was like a little pub. And uh, this was before the days of the hotel and the restaurant and all the rest of it. We went in, had a drink, and we knew the barmaid. Um, you know, uh, 
we had a few beers, we had a few laughs, continued our, our wonderful day, our wonderful day. And then a couple of people came back to my flat, a few people went other ways, and it was just, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes you just look at certain periods of your life and just think, you didn't get any better than that. And that, that Sunday, I didn't get any better than that. It's a fantastic day. On the Monday, I've got a phone call. And uh, it was from somebody that wouldn't normally phone me. One of the families had got a... Um, it wasn't one of the families that phoned me. It was one of the minions that phoned me. And they'd got a job for us to do. And uh, it was very simple, very basic. Um, all we had to do was do some backup. There was apparently some car dealer on the Kenilworth Road that had um, got himself in some gambling debts with some shit that he was doing. And we were, we were going to go and take all of his cars. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we didn't even think about using a car transport. It was just bodies taking cars, take some cans of fuel with us in case cars were out of fuel, and we were just going to take everything on his full court to pay his gambling debt. All right. And that was the first time I met him. And his name was Timmy. Timid Timmy. God, he fucking hated that. When we turned up, it was a very, very simple job. Right? There are... We want six of you guys. Um, there'll be some other guys there. Just collect the cars and deliver them to a warehouse. Piece of piss. No problem at all. If they've got keys, great. If they haven't got keys, we'll wire them. And, you know, if they've got uh, alarms on them, we'll spider them. And we'll take them back to the warehouse. We're, either way, we were going to get them back to the warehouse. I turned up at this garage. Right? 11 o'clock. And I've got my boys in tow. There's uh, two cars. And there's six of us in two cars. And so four of us were going to actually do some driving. And the other two were going to ferry. And we got out. And this fucking bloke stood there. Bloke. Kid. Stood there. And he says, um, uh, can I help you? And I went, no, I don't think you can, mate, to be honest. Um, I've come with a, you know, an ask to come and take some cars. And he said, uh, all right, okay, you're Ken. I said, yeah. And he said, all right, I'm Tim. I said, all right, Tim. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> he said, well, uh, my uncle is such and such. And such and such was the guy that had phoned me. And so I went, oh, right, okay. Well, I wasn't told there was more than, you know, I was told there would be other people around, but I wasn't told who, so. I said, yeah, okay, well, um, what I want you to do is you go and take that car over there. You go and take that car. I said, look, um, you know, my boys haven't got all day to go piss around, all right? So we'll take the easy ones first in case there's any bother coming later on. 
and so we get the numbers and then we'll take the shitty ones later on that are going to take us a bit of time to get started so those we've got the keys for we take first so that we get some inventory just in case it does kick off somebody calls a law or whatever and we all have to walk away and all the cars that we're going to repo are going to stay there and he said uh, no no ken ken you don't understand i want you to go and take that one that one and that one all four are non-starters they haven't got keys they've all got alarms they need spiders They're, i said right okay timmy and he went okay that is the last time you're going to call me timmy right okay tim i've been employed to do a fucking job and i'm going to go and do it if you've got a problem with that make a fucking phone call so anyway me and the boys we grabbed the first four cars and we followed them in our cars and went to the warehouse dropped the cars off and uh there's a, f a couple of people there but there's no one in authority there so you know we're just dropping the cars off went back to go and get the next slot and uh timmy is stood there when we arrive waiting for us and i pulled up in one of our cars and i got out and said i'm a bit surprised you're still here shouldn't you be ferrying cars oh i'm organizing it really are you so you i said can you drive yeah of course i could fucking drive i said well wouldn't you be more used fucking driving cars rather than pissing around trying to you know organize and he said to me you've got a real fucking attitude problem you know that and I said, well, likewise, mate. And he said, you're off the job. So, yeah, you didn't fucking employ me to do this. So you ain't taking me off shit. And he said, yes, you are off the job. And then he brought, pulled his coat to one side and he got a fucking gun. He got a piece hanging on his belt. And he got this uh, shitty gangster leather coat on. Right. What fuck knows what he did? If you were to, if you were to try and stereotype a fucking gangster, that'd be Timmy. And I said to him, "What are you going to do with that then?" He said, "Well, I'm going to tell you once that you're off this job, and the next time I have to tell you, I'm not going to be as polite." And I said to him, "You're fucking nuts!" And I just walked slightly towards him. And he fucking pulled this gun. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking serious? You're a twat, mate. You're a twat. Got back in the car and left. We weren't tooled up. I was going to have an argument with the guy. He got a fucking gun pointing at my head. So we got in the car and we left. Got back to my flat. And I made a phone call. And I said... We tried, you know, we picked up four. We went for another four. And then some dick pulled a gun and told me to piss off because I wasn't doing what he told me to do. And he, the, the guy I was talking to, the connected guy, said, oh, yeah, that's Tim. Yeah, I all right, yeah, it's Tim. What's he fucking doing pulling a gun on me? What the fuck is that about? Oh, yeah, yeah, he needs to learn. He needs to learn. He's new to it. Oh, well, if he's fucking new to it, why did you put him in charge of that? 
well, you know, uh, he needs to learn, he needs to learn, bullshit, bullshit, and more bullshit. I said, well, uh, I tell you now, I'm not happy, you know. You employed us to take a load of cars out, and we only got fucking four. I'm not, you know, the sort of guy, all right, we weren't being paid by car, but I wasn't the sort of guy to walk out how halfway through a fucking job and leave it to someone else. You know, that's just pathetic. That's ridiculous. And he said, well, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, we'll sort it. And uh, anyway, uh, I kind of left it, you know, left it at that. And we had a laugh and a joke about it amongst ourselves, you know, the boys. And we were, t you know, talking about it, fucking, you know. Um, <laughs> and we that's where we came up with the nickname Timid Timmy, because, you know, d doing that sort of shit is likely to lead him in a lot of trouble. A couple of weeks later, um, we're in the pub and we're having a beer. And uh, Timmy walks in with a number of guys. And he he walked into the pub as if he fucking owned it. He walked in like he was one of the craze, you know. All right, all right, looking around him going, all right, all right, to people he'd never fucking met before, trying to be the big man. And then he went to the bar and he went, whatever my boys want. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. And the thing is, the guys he was with were just so embarrassed. <laughs> this little twat trying to be a fucking gangster. And they're, they're kind of looking at, at us and looking around the pub and just shaking their heads. I'm, I'm, th I'm feeling so sorry for these guys. <laughs> having been stuck with this idiot. So, anyway, we, you know, we were sat there, and he's at the bar, he's ordering beers. And he, he made a beeline straight for us, came straight over to our table. And he says, you're sitting at our table. And I went, I, I just, at that point, I thought, I ain't taking any more of this. So I went, I'm sorry, Timmy. Or is it timid? I think you might be in the wrong place, mate. There's a playground just down the road. Why don't you go and play in that? Leave this to the big boys. And he said to me, do you want a taste of what I gave you last time? Oh, <laughs> fucking what? What? Are you making out that you fucking took me out? You fucking piece of shit cunt. Are you seriously making that out? So I said to him, Timmy, do yourself a favour and fuck off before you get hurt. And he just kind of looked at me with daggers, you know. The guys he was with. Now, it was, it was obvious to me at this point what had been going on. Right? This kid was connected. Therefore... He was being brought up through the ranks. Therefore, he was given a bunch of guys. 
all right, and asked to go and do some work. But he was too fucking stupid to know how to do it. And he just pissed the wrong people off. He just pissed the wrong people off. Nobody respected him. Even his own guys didn't respect him. If I had have got up and shot him in the head at that point, none of his guys would have batted an eyelid. In fact, they'd have come up with a cover story for me. They would. I just know that. But he said to me, it's not me that belongs in the playground. He said, I play a serious game. It's you lot that are fucking playing. So maybe it's you that wants to get to the fucking playground. Now that table is mine. And so I sat there, took a drink. And the boys I was with took a drink. And I said, Timmy, just fuck off. Just do us all a favour and fuck off. And he just looked at me and said, you haven't heard the last of this. Oh, for fuck's sake. Anyway, fucking wannabe gangsters. I can really do without. I can seriously do without. So, um... Went to, did the usual that day. Uh, we had a few beers in the pub. We met in the pub later on. We went to a nightclub. Um, we had a few beers. We danced badly. Uh, we had a laugh and a joke. And then some of the boys went home. Some of the boys went back to my place. And then the following day, I got a phone call telling me that a, a really, really seriously good mate of mine uh, was in the hospital. And I was like, right okay what the fuck happened he said well Timmy decided to make an example and I was just I was blown away by it I was fucking blown away by it who the fuck did this kid think he was <laughs> it it just amazed me I mean it it astounded me that this kid would do what he did and basically what he did was he went round to somebody's house, uh, one of the people I know really, really well, good friend of mine, and he ordered his guys under the guise that if you don't do this, then my whatever's going to be really pissed and, you know... And he fucking left them no choice. They they were instructed they were working for him. They had to do what he said. So they basically went in uh, forcibly, grabbed the guy, while the brave fucking Timmy punched living shit out of the bloke's face. I mean, it's easy. Once, once somebody's held down, it's like shooting fish in a fucking barrel. Oh, God. It makes me angry just thinking about it. I need a drink. It's my ice, by the way. Mmm, ice. Nobody could touch him. Nobody could touch Timmy because of who he was connected to. And, uh,. No one could get the message across to say this guy, Timmy, is a twat. And he, he is 
such a fucking twat that he's going to get himself hurt. So, um, I went to see my mate in hospital and I talked to him about what had happened. And on the way out, I met up with one of the guys, big bunch of fucking flowers in his hand, a bit of a Neanderthal, to be honest, uh, not really a thinker. Big guy, I mean, a big fucking useful guy. And I knew him by name, I didn't know him, know him, but I knew him by name. And he said, I'm really sorry. I said, sorry for what? He said, well, I was one of the guys that fucking held him while Timmy did his thing. But I had no choice, you know, I had no choice. And we've all, you know, we've got this working relationship and, you know, you guys know me, I know you guys. I would go to bat for you guys and I know you guys would go back go to bat for me but now you wouldn't now he's changed everything you know I I can't kind of rely on you guys and and you guys are gonna, never going to look at me in the same way again and I said to him trust me we understand this is not your fault this isn't down to you so Maybe a week went by, and I tried to do some background stuff. I tried to get in touch with my contacts, some of the boys, say that this Timmy was a dickhead, and, you know, he'd had one of my mates beaten up for no fucking reason, other than uh, he'd made some sort of comment. I don't even, can't even remember what the comment was. I can't even remember hearing it, but apparently he'd made a comment when Timmy was trying to take our table and be the big man. So, I got fucking nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And everybody was, yeah, but he's uh, his son, so, yeah, I know. I know, but somebody needs to tell uh, that, that his son's a fucking dickhead. A week had gone by. And, uh... Wasn't getting anywhere. And from what I heard on the grapevine, and what I heard from people who were talking to the pubs, Timmy was making a right dick of himself. And he was trying to be fucking Al Capone. You know, the the kid the kid had come in and been such a brave ass when he's got four big burly fucking beef eaters behind him. He he knew no no fear. You know, he he was. The fearless fucking warrior. Yeah, he was fearless as long as he got that back up. I was really, really interested to know what he was like when he was on his own. And I, I couldn't let it slide, you know. I just... I, should have done. I was told to. I was told to. I was told categorically, Ken, just let this one go. Alright? We'll, we'll have a word. We'll sort it. But just let it go. Bollocks, utter bollocks. I was <laughs> no chance was I going to let this go. And then one night after that, I'm sat in the pub and I'm having a beer. And fucking Timmy walks in again with his bouncers. 
And sure enough, he went to the uh, bar and he got his boys a drink and then they all walked, off to, walked over to us. <laughs> he said, you're still sitting at my fucking table. So, Tibby, just fuck off. Just fuck off before you regret it. And I regret it. And he again said to me, didn't you learn from the last time? So I'll tell you what, Timmy. Let you and me go out in the car park. We'll sort this out. And then what will be will be, and we'll all be friends, and everything will be happy. Unless you and me just go and do that. And he turned to one of his guys, and he said, Did you see that fucker just threaten me? I think he needs a smack in the mouth. And he put one of his guys in an impossible situation. A ridiculous situation. And I, to, I just wasn't having it at that point. I, to, I, I really had to think laterally. I couldn't let that happen. Not again. So, I just said, Timmy... Table's yours. Got up and uh, sat at another table. And Timmy and his beef eaters sat at our table, and me and the boys sat at another table. And we were all fucking cursing him and saying what a cunt he was. And, you know, are we going to let him away with that shit? And fact is, no, we weren't. We weren't, but you take on the son of somebody like that and you, you're signing a fucking warrant. You you kind of expect to find yourself in the woods, on your knees, with your hands tied behind your back, fucking blindfold on a, a, a pop in the back of your head. That's what you should expect. And it, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, the whole situation was stupid. What if something real had happened? If if it was to do with you know a turf war? If it was to do with something tangible, something fucking real, we'd have all accepted it. But it was one kid who thought he was Al Capone, and nobody could fucking stop him. Nobody. It was a it was a crazy thing, and I, I, I really don't even know if I'm I'm explaining this properly to you guys to know what the predicament was, how difficult this was. But I fucking hated him. Absolutely hated him. And I sat, you know, that night after leaving the pub, I remember distinctly: no nightclubs for me, mate. I went home. I was too fucking angry. Far too angry. And there was a couple of people in my flat when I got there, and I said, sorry guys, but you've got to get the fuck out. I need to be alone. And I picked up a bottle of something, and I sank it. And woke up about midday, following day. Worst fucking hangover ever. Couldn't remember what I'd done. Or 
anything from getting in the flat the night before went into the living room and uh, there's a smashed bottle um, the TV is smashed stereo smashed table's been turned over I can't remember any of this can't remember it I mean I did it definitely I did it I got fucking marks all over me I got cuts on my hand I obviously lost it I, and in some ways I am grateful that I was so pissed that I can't remember it because I, I don't ever want to remember myself being that sort of guy being that person but I wrecked my flat and just fucking ruined it. You know, turned chairs up, turned tables up, threw things around the room, smashed pictures. I'd, I'd obviously <laughs> completely lost the plot. I've never done that. Never done that. That was the one day haven't done it since didn't do it before that you <laughs> should have seen state of it fucking right mess nobody I think has got me as angry as that kid did nobody has put me in that position, that situation as that kid did and I fucking wanted him I really wanted him we talked about it but between the boys we talked about it you know can we do anything about this you know I know I, I, when I spoke to my mate in hospital I said you know you fucking say the word. I'm going to take this cunt out. You know, I am going to fucking put him in a room and bust his fucking fingers one by one. Make the little fucker scream like fuck and then I'm going to pour petrol over him and put a match to it. And do you know what really frightens me now? I genuinely think I would have done it. Honestly, I was that angry. Is anyone allowed to be that angry? I, t I slate people all the time for anger management issues. It was the one time that that was me. You know, that was me. And I'm not proud of it. And I'm certainly not bragging about it because it was fucking awful it was disgusting it was everything I despise in people all of a sudden was within me so I remember being a knock at the door actually and uh when I answered it, it was a girl that I'd um, been seeing. Not for long, obviously. Never seen anyone for long. 
but uh, she asked me what happened and she knew all about the Timmy saga and I said to her I honestly honestly don't know and I went for a piss and she phoned my mate and my mate came straight round and uh, he took me out said we need to get out of here he took me out and we went down to the local club in fact <laughs> and while I was gone she cleaned the whole fucking place bless her couldn't believe it she cleaned the whole place picked up all the glass cleaned all the carpets <laughs> cleaned the whole damn place and he explained to me while we were out that he understood and that he felt the same uh, but the pressure, the onus was on me as not a team leader I would, I would have never put myself in that bracket I, as the person that people looked up to people were looking to me to deal with this dickhead but I'd, I'd walked away from it a couple of times out of respect for who his dad was and out of respect for who he was connected to and <laughs> it fucking hurt it hurt I remember him telling me you, you can't do this you just can't do this this kid's going to make a mistake he's going to fuck up and burn himself and that, you know let that happen let that happen and you know let him go down under his own fucking burning flames of shit and I'm not a um, vengeful person I'm not I'm not the sort of guy who seeks revenge for wrongs done. But I have a conscience. And and everything within me, everything I believed, everything that I felt, everything that I lived for was telling me that I had to act. And I couldn't understand what it was. And then all of a sudden I realised. This is what people mean by honour. This is what honour is. And you can either be an honourable person... or not didn't take five minutes after that didn't take five minutes to make the call if I touched him I either had to 
get on a very, very fast airplane to a different country or I was going to end up in a wood. But what does that mean? What does honour really mean? It was... It was a difficult call until that point. After that point, decision was made. I was going to take him out. I was, I was going to have to take him out. Or I knew at that point, at that point in time, I would live the rest of my fucking life and I would never forgive myself. Never. Chewing gum's just gone in. I just had a piss break. Actually, that was that was more to do with um, regaining composure than it was anything else. One of the things you guys probably don't and will never realise is how emotionally draining it is talking about this stuff. And people say to me, well, why do you do it? I do it to, there's two reasons why I do these, three. I do it because there's a loyal fan base out there that wants to hear it. I do it as a warning to other people to not be me. And do it to release the demons Every, everybody carries baggage I carry demons that's why I do this So, let's get back to it. So, at that point, decision had been made. And I uh, went back to my flat. And I went into my airing cupboard, where I had my safe. And I thanked the young lady very, very much for cleaning the place up. And I took my gun out of the safe. stuck the mag into the gun and it was full took my spare mag and put it in my pocket put my holster on and put my gun in it now I went around to see him now my mate realised that he knew that. He knew exactly what was going to go down, exactly what was going on. And he was busy in the pub making phone calls. Now, we all knew where Timmy lived, 
because he made a big fucking deal about how daddy had put him into one of the most expensive fucking blocks of flats in the city. Little cunt. <clears throat> Drove the car around there, and, uh, oh, God, yeah. Oh, dear. The young lady that was around my flat. I gave her a key. So can you do me a favour? Keep your eye on the cat. She just said sure thing. So I went round to Timmy's and uh, uh, I landed in the car park and got out of the car, went to the um, the bottom stairwell of uh, the flats he was at, and um, uh, there was a door entry system. So I hit a load of buttons on the door entry system and just went, delivery! And instantly, beep, door opened. And he was on the third floor. And as I got to the second floor, <laughs> I saw a familiar face. One of his beef eaters. Stood there having a fag out the window on the second floor landing. And he went, he'd say, <laughs> polite as you like. He went, All right, Ken, how's it going? <laughs> oh, nicest fucking bloke you'd ever wish to meet. Dangerous as fuck, but <laughs> nice bloke. And I went, All right. And just going up and see Timmy. Oh, yeah, he's in. <laughs> Got to the third floor. Knocked on the door. And uh, another one of his uh, protection squad, as I called them, opened the door. I pulled the gun, stuck it in his face. Told him to back the fuck up. Another guy put his head out of the kitchen. I pointed the gun at him, told him to get in the living room and sit on the sofa. And then I told both of these guys to put their guns on the table. As it happens, only one of them was armed. So. But he put his gun on the table. All right, Ken, no problem, mate, no problem. And they were they were really fucking compliant. And I said, how many people here? He said, there's only three of us today, Ken, there's only three of us. I said, where is he? He's in his, he's in his bedroom, look, he's listening to music. So I said to them, I think it's time you boys went. 
and no hesitation, absolutely none. Yeah, all right, mate, all right, Ken, no problem. And they left. Went out the front door, shut it behind them. I put the lock on the door. And then Timmy came out from his room. And I stuck a gun in his face. And told him there was a price to pay when you beat up one of mine. When you beat up someone that I'm affiliated with, someone that I know would have fucking taken a bullet for me if I'd have asked him to. There is a price to pay. And he he carried on with all, all the rhetoric, you know, all the bullshit. You're dead, mate. You're dead. My dad's going to have you fucking dead. The family's going to have you fucking dead. And I just said to him, well, that doesn't help you now, mate, does it? And then I brought the gun across his forehead with a mighty fucking crack and put the little shit on the floor <laughs> he was um, holding his head talking about something I don't know what he was talking about I didn't <laughs> anything that he said after that point I didn't hear and I think that people call that the red mist. But it had descended. And I put my gun on the table and walked back to him and started fucking punching him. Over and over and over again. I was punching his arms, his chest, his back when he rolled over, the back of his head. When he pulled his head forward, it was the front of his head. I must have put a hundred punches into the kit. And then <laughs> I got up, went back and just picked up my gun. His whole face was red. His hair was red. His shirt was red. Everything about the guy was red. And I pointed my gun at him. And I said to him, Honour, above all things, is who we are it's all we've got we haven't got that we've got nothing could have pulled the trigger at that point happily but the doorbell rang <laughs> craziest thing doorbell rang woke me up out of this um, what I can only presume was 
a trance-like state. <laughs> the craziest thing. I shouted, who is it? And it was a mate of mine. And uh, he said, open the door. Ken, open the door. And I did. I opened the door. And he came in. Five or six other people of, you know, friends of mine. And they, they stood there looking at me with a gun in my hand. And I'd gone back to pointing at Timmy's head. And they said, you don't need to do this. <laughs> yes, I do. You don't get it, but yes, I fucking do. I said, no, you don't. You don't. I looked at them, and I looked at him. It was a breath. It was the difference between a breath. Whether or not I talked to my friends, people that I trusted, my brothers, people that I would fucking die for, and that would die for me if necessary. All this piece of shit lying on the floor, covered in blood. I uncocked the gun. Put it back in my holster. And they escorted me outside. Two of them did anyway. Put me in a car took me back to my flat there's there's one bit I'm leaving out um, and I'm doing it deliberately and I shouldn't do it deliberately because if you're gonna talk about something like this you need to talk about everything about something like this and not just the highlights and I broke down in the car. I don't know what happened. I just just cried my eyes out. I'm not sure the guys know what to do. It certainly wasn't the done thing. You know, we went over the whole, you know, boys don't cry thing because we don't. We're big, tough guys. What the fuck is this guy doing sat in the back seat blubbering like a fucking girl? I'd stopped by the time we got back to my flat. We, um... We got back, we went in the flat, pulled ourselves a drink, talking of drinks... Good time to have another drink. 
The phone was uh, already ringing as we went through the door. And it was somebody very clever, very connected. Very much somebody you didn't want to get a phone call from. Asking me to um, <laughs> come to a location. So, to be frank, he wasn't asking. So I went back downstairs and I said again <laughs> to this young lady, look after the cat. I remember her saying to me, you, you have got a fucking death wish. <laughs> Maybe that was right. Maybe it was. Got in the car. And uh, we went to a warehouse, and I can't even remember the journey. I don't think I could at the time. As we turned up, we hit the horn, doors open, we drove in. Doors closed, we got out. There were a number of people on the fringes uh, wearing suits. Um, there were a number of people kind of stood around. Everybody dead quiet. Nobody saying a word. And then right in the middle of this warehouse where we parked there was a packing crate and uh, a guy that I knew <laughs> ushered me over to this packing crate and I, I went over to it and I honestly honestly thought that's going to be me in about five minutes I'm going to be in that fucking crate. And he just said, if you ever, ever get a situation like that again, you phone me. No one else. You phone me. And I'll sort it out. And I just nodded at him. And he said, now get the fuck out of my sight. <laughs> and a sense of relief was indescribable. Imagine, imagine being stood there with a 20 pound weight on top of your head and then somebody takes it off it all just didn't seem real but it, it never felt 
it never felt real from the point of leaving Timmy at the flat. I was in a daze. I was in shock. And that maybe these days they would call that post-traumatic stress. I don't know. But my mind just wasn't there. I got in the car. And we drove out. I drove back to my flat. <laughs> I had another drink. And the boys were there. And they were all upbeat and you know, hey, thank fuck for that. Hey, it's all over, it's all over, yay. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Jesus Christ, what the fuck just happened? And my mate, though, had taken a kick in. Just said to me, common sense prevailed. What about Timmy? What about... Never mind. Never mind. It's finished. It's over. It's done. Incredible thing. Incredible time. Honestly, honestly, thought that A, I was going to kill someone, and B, I was going to get killed for it. I often sit back, you know, and think, who the fuck was I? I mean, Jesus Christ, who was I? Now a guy in his forties and left with a shitload of memories, most of which I don't want. Most of which I don't deal with very well. put these to your back of your mind you know and you you try and forget and then something will come on tv or something will come on the news <coughs> and it will all flood back all of it there's nothing you can do about that as far as i understand it timmy was sent to live with his mother who lived somewhere down south. I never heard of him, saw him, any of it again. It was never discussed. We never talked about it. Even between ourselves. But a stronger bond was established. people that I knew people that I knew that I called friend knew what that meant
we became closer. As a group, we became closer. As people, we became closer. <laughs> right up until the point when they abandoned me. <laughs> that's uh, another podcast story, one that's already been written and is already up. So go and listen to that one. Oh, guys. Do you know what? I fucking hate people that say, don't do as I do, do as I say. These reformed drug dealers that come back and say, oh, no, don't do it. Don't get into drugs. It's really bad for you. You know, I fucking hate that. I think it's really hypocritical. So I'm not here to preach. I'm here to give you some realities. What it was. I'm hoping that it could never be that again. I'm hoping that people are not like that now. It was a different time. It was 20 years ago. 25 years ago. I'm hoping that we've all grown up a lot. It hasn't really been the best podcast story, has it? <laughs> This one has, however, freed a demon. I'm putting it out there. And hopefully, that's one less that's going to come back and haunt me. Demons are a terrible thing. You, the loyal listener, I thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. And I will see you on the dark side. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.